Amen. Amen indeed. Thank you, worship team, for leading us to that place. Uh, This morning as we begin, uh, let's open God's word to Psalm 73. Psalm 73. And as we begin this, uh, we're going to read through this psalm together. Psalm 73 says this, Surely God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet had almost slipped. I had nearly lost my foothold, for I envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. They have no struggles. Their bodies are healthy and strong. They are free from common human burdens. They are not plagued by human ills. Therefore, pride is their necklace. They clothe themselves with violence. From their callous hearts comes iniquity. Their evil imaginations have no limits. They scoff and speak with malice, with arrogance. They threaten oppression. Their mouths lay claim to heaven. Their tongues take possession of the earth. Therefore, their people turn to them and drink up waters in abundance. They say... How would God know? Does the Most High know anything? This is what the wicked are like, always free of care. They go on amassing wealth. Surely in vain I have kept my heart pure and have washed my hands in innocence. All day long I've been afflicted. Every morning brings new punishments. If I had spoken out like that, I would have betrayed your children. When I tried to understand all of this, it troubled me deeply till I entered the sanctuary of God. Then I understood their final destiny. Surely you placed them on slippery ground. You cast them down to ruin. How suddenly are they destroyed, completely swept away by terrors. They are like a dream when one awakes. When you arise, Lord, you will despise them as fantasies. When my heart was grieved and my spirit embittered, I was senseless and ignorant. I was a brute beast before you. Yet I am always with you. You hold me by my right hand. You guide me with your counsel. And afterward, you will take me into glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? And earth has nothing I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Those who are far from you will perish. You destroy all who are unfaithful to you. But as for me, it is good to be near God. I have made the sovereign Lord my refuge. I will tell of all your deeds. Do you ever wonder if following Jesus is worth it? Do you sometimes feel like it would just be easier to just ditch all this God stuff and do whatever you want? What do you do when you're struggling? When life doesn't seem fair? Where do you turn? How do you deal with your questions and your doubts? 
This morning we're continuing on in our Summer of Psalms, exploring together the worship and poetry that has connected our hearts together as followers of God for thousands of years. And I hope you've started to build some discipline already, digging into the Psalms that we're looking at yourself. We started with Psalm 23 a couple of weeks ago, that familiar and beautiful word of encouragement and care. And last Sunday, Pastor Scott led us through Psalm 25. What we, with that that call to submit and follow and trust. And while we're talking through and unpacking the Psalms here, the real work is in reading and studying and praying through them yourself. The Psalms aren't lectures to be studied or little lessons to be remembered. They're they're songs. They're they're paintings to be experienced and enjoyed. The words are true, but the reality and depth of them is found in the Spirit. And as you sit with them and let them work on your heart and your life, Connecting your spirit with God's spirit as you allow the words to mold and shape you. That's where the power of the Psalms is found. The Psalms are relationship. They're conversation. And as we talk about them on a Sunday, I hope you use that just as a starting point for your own journey with Jesus. That you take the time in the week to come back to them. Try reading the psalm that we talk about. Try reading it every day. Pray through it. Try journaling a little bit what you're experiencing as you read through it. What you hear God speaking to you through it. What part is standing out to you? How are you feeling challenged? How are you feeling encouraged? How is God inspiring you to be his presence in the life of someone around you? As you read these words, the Psalms are powerful and profound and God has preserved them for us for a reason. He wants to take you on an incredible journey through these things that they express. It's exciting. God is inviting you into something really special this summer and I hope you'll take advantage. But the journey isn't always going to be an easy one. Many of the Psalms express praise and thanks and joy and hope, worshiping God in His glory and majesty and thanking Him for His provision and protection and presence. But that's not all the Psalms express. The Psalms dig deep into our experience. And they talk about fear, anger, pain. Grief, selfishness, and brokenness. They express frustration, uncertainty. And when we read some of them, they can make us really uncomfortable. Some of the language is extreme, graphic. It pushes us to places that we don't necessarily like to be. But it's important. Because we do feel these things. And far too often in our own lives and in the life of the church, we can pretend that we're supposed to live some 
sanitized and whitewashed life that no matter what, everything has to be fine all the time. We always have to be doing good, no matter what. Put on your best clothes, put on a smile, come to church and make sure that no one can see that I'm hurting. If God is good, then life has to be fine, right? But that's never what God has asked for us. He knows our hurts and our pain and our struggles. And his word is filled with people who are broken, who are not okay. And that's okay. Lamentations is a whole book expressing hurt and pain and struggle. And we're going to do a series on that sometime to learn how to grieve well together, how to struggle well together. But the Psalms are filled with these feelings and experiences as well. And again, even in Psalm 23, as David is talking about green pastures and still waters, he also talks about his enemies. And David's enemies were real. The Philistines and the nations around him trying to wipe them out. David, growing up, spending time in Saul's court as the king was trying to murder him. His own son turning on him, trying to overthrow him and take the kingdom. David knew pain and fear, frustration. And he expressed it in his Psalms. And God has preserved them for us so that we can see that he knows that we struggle. And he wants us to come to him with those things. Not pretend they don't exist. And so that's where we come this morning. What we see in Psalm 73, this is one of my very favorite psalms of all of them. There's a lot, you know, Psalm 19 is great, Psalm 139 is great, Psalm, you know, there's a lot. But 73, I I don't know, I connect with that one. I connect with what the psalmist is saying here. It it captures something really amazing about the heart of the writer. There's such amazing honesty, this this deep submission and self-awareness. This person is frustrated. They're hurting. But then they also say, but I know I'm dumb too. And I have to say that about myself a lot. But it's just a beautiful picture of trust. Starts off telling us that it's a psalm of Asaph. Now Asaph was basically a worship leader in the temple appointed by David, and there are a number of psalms that are attributed to him, and some of them probably were written by him, but some of them would have been written by people that just filled that position after he was done. The psalm could have been written again directly by him, but there's some language in here that suggests maybe it was after that time of David when he would have been there. So it could have been written by somebody filling that same role. Sometimes a name kind of turned into a job title in the ancient world, and So people would write psalms or works of Asaph, and that wasn't directly written by him. But the interesting part of this psalm is just how personal it feels. Asaph or whoever might have been the worship leader in the temple for the people and writing things for them to use together in their worship. But it feels like this person wrote this for themselves. really feels like they're really sharing their own fears and frustrations and insecurities. And I think that these are things that we can really all connect with, that we can all feel sometimes in our low moments like, 
Is any of this worth it? But the psalm starts with this simple statement, surely God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. And it's so beautiful because it's so raw. The very next sentence leads us into the places that the psalmist is going. But as for me, my feet had almost slipped. I nearly lost my foothold for I envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. He's frustrated. He's hurting. But he starts with just declaring something he knows to be true. And how often do we talk about that in our worship here? That wherever we're coming from, whatever we're going through, declaring these truths about who God is is so important. Because speaking truth, when we don't feel it, helps us to stay grounded. Declaring that God is good, that he is in control, that he is love, when we are struggling is, is so important because truth doesn't change based on how we feel. God doesn't change just because we feel distant. God doesn't change just because we do. And so the psalmist starts with this declaration, this desperate cry that at this point he's not even sure maybe if he believes it, if he feels it, but he knows it to be true. Surely God is good to Israel. But he's feeling burdened. He's feeling lost. He's feeling overwhelmed. He doesn't feel like following God is worth it anymore. Those who ignore God seem to be doing just fine. They have no struggles. Again, he would know that's not true. But we do the same thing when we're frustrated. We don't see clearly. We're just mad. They are free from common human burdens. They're not plagued by human ills. Pride is their necklace. They clothe themselves with violence. Their callous heart bring iniquity. Their evil imaginations have no limits. They scoff. They speak with malice. With arrogance, they threaten oppression. Their mouths lay claim to heaven. Their tongues take possession of the earth. Therefore, people turn to them. They drink up waters in abundance. They say, how would God know? Does the Most High know anything? This is what the wicked are like, always free of care. They go on amassing wealth. They're rich. They're happy. They're healthy. They have no problems. They mock God and everything is just great for them. What am I doing? Why am I wasting my time? Clearly God doesn't care if he's there at all. Surely in vain I have kept my heart pure and have washed my hands in innocence. All day long I have been afflicted and every morning brings new punishments. Have you been there? I think we all have. How easy is it to compare ourselves to the fantasy version of the people around us? Their Facebook posts and carefully framed and curated pictures. 
fabulous vacations, perfect homes, perfect life, while my life is a mess. Social media drives us to compare ourselves only to the best and most polished version of other people's lives. And here, 3,000 years ago, the psalmist is talking about that exact same struggle. And that long ago, he was probably only using like MySpace or something. We've come so far. But it's incredible to see how deeply our experience still connects with that ancient world. We're doing the same thing with way more powerful tools. And his fears and insecurities were just the same even then, that no matter how far we've come, no matter how fancy and sophisticated our technology has gotten, we're still people. We still hurt. And we still, here now today, feel the same things this person did. That life isn't fair. That everybody's doing better than me. And I'm wasting my time. But in his darkest moment, truth is still powerful. And even more so is just the presence of God. If I had spoken out like that, I would have betrayed your children. When I tried to understand all this, it troubled me deeply. Until I entered the sanctuary of God. Then I understood their final destiny. This is such a profound passage because how many times have I expressed these same complaints in my own journey. And yet every time when I can finally settle down and just stop. And come before God. I find he is enough. I can be upset. I can be angry. I can be jealous. I can be fearful and frustrated and selfish. But when I can still stop and acknowledge that God is in control, no matter what, it changes everything. Ultimately, he will bring justice and give peace. Surely you place them on slippery ground. You cast them down to ruin. How suddenly are they destroyed, completely swept away by terrors. They are like a dream when one awakes. When you arise, Lord, you will despise them as fantasies. When my heart was grieved and my spirit embittered, I was senseless and ignorant. I was a brute beast before you. Yet, I am always with you. You hold me by my right hand. You guide me with your counsel. And afterward, you will take me into glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? And earth has nothing I desire Besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail. But God is the strength of my heart. And my portion. Forever. Wealth and power are fleeting. And even dangerous. 
as they fill us with pride and selfishness, hardening our hearts against God as we feel more and more comfortable and confident in our own abilities. And it was in the sanctuary of God that the psalmist sees clearly. He sees and recognizes the brokenness and wickedness of the world around him. Even though it looks very shiny and very nice, that while the wealth and comfort look enticing, it cannot last and it will never be enough. And while he still acknowledges his struggle, he sees that his selfishness and complaining was so wrong. But he had lost sight of what truly matters. I was senseless and ignorant, a brute beast. Psalmist's self-awareness here is, is so huge. Even though I feel all these things, I'm not an animal and I can know better. He had let his heart get away from him. Got sucked into the selfish game the world plays, chasing fantasies and selfishness and competition. When God was there all along, desiring to walk with Him, inviting Him to trust His Father. I am always with you. You hold me by my right hand, you guide me with your counsel, take me into glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? And earth has nothing I desire besides you. What a heart change. He was so lost, so broken, so overwhelmed. And as he entered the sanctuary of God, he is restored. He is settled. His mind is set free. My flesh and my heart may fail, he says, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. And I love how he ends the world that he wanted so badly that had filled him with jealousy and frustration so deeply suddenly is worth nothing to him. And he sees how it all ends. Those who are far from you, he says, will perish, and you destroy all who are unfaithful to you. There are consequences to ignoring God, and ultimately they will get exactly what they want, a life free from God, but it won't be what they thought. But the psalmist sees now, and he knows better, and he says, but as for me, it is good to be near God. I have made the sovereign Lord my refuge I will tell of all your deeds. But as for me, I love that line so much because it's just so simple. It cuts through all the emotion and the philosophy and the struggle, the argument and debate about the best way to live. And he just says, but as for me, it's good to be near God. Where are you on your journey with God? Have you walked through a season like the psalmist is describing here? Maybe you're walking through it right now. How do you deal with the fears and insecurities that life is filled with? Since we're flooded with lies and false images and pictures of life that don't exist. The uncertainty and the hardships we have to walk through when it feels like you can't make the right decisions and everyone is doing better than you. 
What do you do? Where do you turn? Are you drawn to the sanctuary of God? Or do you try to find the answers on your own to to fix things on your own, to make things fair on your own, to combat the injustices and evil that are real in the world on your own? Or do you trust God? Is he enough? I don't know how all of this works and why things happen the way they do. It's too much for me. But I can tell you this. As for me, it is good to be near God. No matter what. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the individuals that you inspired to share their journey, their struggle, their understanding of who you are, their hurts. We thank you for the Psalms that paint this picture of what the human heart and experience is like. And we can connect so deeply with other believers and followers who have struggled through their journey and seen how you are faithful. Father God, we are so easily sucked into the competition, the rat race, the comparing ourselves to everyone. God, we can feel helpless sometimes, like we don't understand and we can't win no matter what we do. God, in those times, we pray that you would draw us to yourself. That we would be inspired and challenged and welcomed to come to you. And that as we are with you, we would see that you are enough. Forgive us, God, when we fail, when we desire to turn away and God bring us back. In Jesus' name, amen.